Well, when I was uh, a kid, I used to love going to the Powerhouse Museum. Do you guys go to the Powerhouse Museum ever? I loved it because there was lots of fun stuff to do there. I loved uh, playing on the, the things that were there. There was a television camera, which I loved to play with, and there was like a bike that you can ride, and then you make the, the lights on the fire engine spin and the siren sound, and there was a, one of those, you know, like globes of electricity and you put your hand on it and then like the, the lightning goes and sticks to your hand. It was like really fun. I loved, loved the Bauhaus Museum. And then since being a kid, I've gone back to the Bauhaus Museum and I love going back even more because there's, I, I kind of learn stuff now. I don't just play on stuff, I learn stuff. And I, I, I get to do all the old stuff if I want to, but I have to push the kids out of the way if I want to play with some of the things. But I learn about you know, like space travel and how a car works and like Australian inventors and designers, all these new things. All the old stuff is there, but the new stuff is there too, and it's a richer, more exciting experience for me to be there. The reason why I'm talking about that is because today we're going to look at a story which if you've grown up in church, you know what's coming. We are about to hear about a talking donkey. And when I was a kid, I loved hearing about the talking donkey. Like it's always exciting to hear about talking animals. Uh, And so that's really fun. But then as we look at this story as adults, we can see that there's this richness to it. And there's even more that we can learn about who God is and how we want to respond to him. So we're going to have a look at that story and hopefully we do learn something else. But if nothing else, we will get to see a talking donkey. So that's good. Uh, The story kind of begins uh, and the passage that we read uh, comes from... uh, this bit in Numbers where uh, Israel, they've escaped from Egypt and then they wandered around the desert for 40 years and now they're on the edge of the Promised Land. And as they've been moving through the Promised Land, uh, they've been coming up against the people who are there and the people feel threatened and so then they go out to attack Israel and Israel gets help from God and they defeat the people and as they do this, more and more people are getting afraid. So they get to, they're on the edge of the the Jordan River, uh, about to cross over uh, into Jericho. And Balak, who is the king of the Moabites, is there and he sees them coming and he's terrified. He's like, these guys are going to get me. And he actually says uh, he's afraid of them. In my version, it says this, uh, this horde is going to lick everything up around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. He's afraid of the licking that he's going to get from the Israelites. So he doesn't know what to do. So he's got to get this you know, weapon on his side. So like, what am I going to do? And he's, he's heard about this guy, Balaam. Uh, Balaam is a guy who lives uh, over 400 miles away at Pethor, which is uh, near the Euphrates River, as we uh, read in there. Uh, and he is someone who is a, a prophet for hire or a, or a seer. He's able to see spiritual things and somehow uh, his words have power. So that when he blesses someone, they are blessed. And when he curses someone, they are cursed. And Balak has heard about Balaam, and so he wants to get Balaam to come and curse these people so that they will be destroyed. So he sends his people, and uh, they have to travel probably about 25 days to get there, and then 25 days back. And they go over to Balaam, and they're like, Balaam, we need your help, because these guys are going to come, and they're going to destroy us. And so Balaam, he says, all right, uh, first I just need to consult with the Lord. And that's a bit of a strange thing. Like, why would Balaam, who is not an Israelite, uh, need to talk to Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, to figure out if he can curse them? It would make much more sense if he was like, eh, look, I'm a powerful guy, I'll just go curse them. No worries, get the money, everything's good. 
Uh, but he's got a, an understanding of the way that things work in those days. We have this kind of thought about God, that there is a God or there is no God, and that's pretty much your options. Uh, but in the ancient Near East, when this was, they had this idea about gods that actually it wasn't just one God, but there were lots of gods. And there were gods for different purposes, God for different uh, people, God for diff- gods for different geographic locations. And so if you wanted to curse the Israelites, then you would have to discuss that with the God of the Israelites. And maybe he would say, yeah, you can curse them, but first you've got to do this ritual. And you've got to sacrifice these things, you've got to get this done. And once you've done that, then, you know, I'll let you curse my people. Maybe that's what's going on. So Balaam uh, wants to consult with the Lord, with Yahweh, and uh, Yahweh turns up. And uh, he comes to Balaam. Balaam doesn't go to him. He comes to Balaam. And Yahweh turns up and he asks this question. He says, uh, he says who are these men with you? And not because he doesn't know the answer, because it's God. He knows the answer. But when God asks questions in the Bible, it's because he wants the people to think about the situation that they are in. Like if you walk in uh, and you see that if you have a toddler and they're drawing on the television with a permanent marker and you say, what are you doing? You're not asking because you don't know. You know exactly what they're doing. You want them to think about the predicament they've got themselves into. And so God is asking Balaam, who are these men? What are they doing here? Why are you coming to me? And so Balaam tells him what's happening, that he uh, has been called on to, to curse these people. And so the Lord replies. He says in verse 12, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. And when God starts talking about his people, he starts talking about blessings and curses, we are meant to go back to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, verses uh, 1 to 3, where God called Abraham. And this is what he says. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so God is saying to here to Balaam, you cannot curse these people because they are my people. Because even though God cares for all people, these people in particular, God uh, has decided that he is going to work through. That through them, all the world will be blessed. He is working out his salvation purposes through these people. And so God is saying to Balaam, you cannot curse these people because they are my people. You're not allowed. And so Balaam goes back and he says, God said, I can't go with you. He doesn't tell him why. He just kind of passes the buck on onto the Lord. And so then there's, the guys go back. They spend a 25-day journey back to Balak. They tell Balak what's going on. And he doesn't really understand what's going on. He just thinks that this might be Balaam's kind of bargaining uh, technique. And so he sends back more people with more money and with more distinguished people. So if before he sent the deputy director of curse acquisition, he sends the director of curse acquisition. He sends... Uh, the committee for the destruction of hordes that lick up people like oxes lick up grass. He sends all those people and they have much more money that they can now give Balaam if they want to. So they go back to Balaam and they say, Balaam, will you do it for us? And so Balaam responds and he says, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond uh, the command of the Lord my God. 
Now spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. And that sounds to us uh, like, you know, he's just saying, oh, look, I can't do it, but I'll just check again. But I think what he's really saying is he's saying, look, I can't take your money. How much money are you giving me? How much? I can't take it. Even if you gave me all this money, all the money in the house, I could not take it. It's way too much. Definitely could not take that money. I definitely could not do it. But look, I would just go talk to God just in case. Probably not, but just in case. Maybe I could have a little bit of money. That would be great. I'll check with God. And so then he goes to God. He's like, God, maybe pretty please. Can I? I'd love to. And so God then responds. And it says that that night God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them. But do only what I tell you. And now we get to the exciting bit of the story. It says this. uh, If you have a Bible, then have a look uh, from verse 21. It says, Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Which is a bit strange. We go, why would God be angry at Balaam? Is God kind of fickle to change his mind from, from one hour to the next? Why would God say go and then go and want to destroy Balaam? Why, why would God be like that? But I think probably what is happening here uh, is that because Balaam has gone to God and just really wanted God to say yes so that he can get the money, uh, then uh, God has said, all right, you can go. Kind of like sometimes we will say yes to people when really we mean no to people. Like, and they should know that. Or like perhaps maybe you have one day come home to your spouse or partner if you have one and you've gone home to them and you said, Hey, I know that I said that I would hang out with you tonight and I'd look after the kids and have some time together. But my friends have asked me, they've just said, do you want to go hang out? And I'd really like to. I don't often hang out with them that much. So maybe I could do that and I'll make it up for up to you. And then your spouse says to you, you can do that if you want. You're like, really? Can I? Yeah, go. I don't mind. It's fine. Go. I don't mind. It doesn't bother me. Like, you sure? Yeah, it's fine. Off you go. Have fun. And you're like, yes. And then you go. And then you kind of get the feeling that actually... You weren't meant to go and that now you're in trouble and things are going to be very bad when you get home. And I think that's kind of what's going on with God because Balaam should never have asked in the first place. And you should never have asked in the first place. When your friend said you want to hang out, you say, no, I've I've already got plans tonight. It shouldn't even brought it up. But Balaam brings it up with God and says, God, can I go? And God says, all right, go if you want to see if I care. And Balaam's about to see if God cares. So here's what happens. It says this. uh, The angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. And Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it uh, to get back on the road. So they're traveling along. He's on the donkey. The, the, the donkey looks up, sees the angel, it's like, rrr, rrr, and then kind of heads off into the fields. And Balaam, 
And Balaam doesn't like this because he wants his donkey to stay on the path. So he gets angry, he beats the donkey, and he gets back on and they start riding again. And then the angel goes further on down the road. It says the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards and the, the walls of, on both, sorry, with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Traveling along the den, the donkey, the donkey looks up, sees the angel, and it's like, and then I, the donkey kind of sounds like Scooby-Doo, but I don't know what noise the donkey makes. Uh, but anyway, the donkey strays into the, into the, to the, the wall and crushes Balaam's foot, and Balaam likes his foot, and he doesn't like his donkey, so he beats the donkey again. And so then they get back on and keep moving. And it says, the, the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam and he was angry and beat it with his staff. So the donkey sees the angel and then instead of walking into the pointy end of the angel's sword, he decides he doesn't want to do that. He's just going to lie down. Balaam gets off the donkey one more time and gives it a good whack because he is so upset that his donkey is not behaving in a good donkey fashion. And then at that point, one of the best bits of the Bible happens. It says this, Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. That is amazing. Like the, the donkey just starts talking. The donkey who God uh, has empowered to, to see the angel. The donkey who is a dumb animal can see the angel that Balaam, the professional seer, the professional spiritual man, the prophet for hire, he cannot see it. He is no good at seeing spiritual things. His donkey is better than him. And Balaam, who is meant to speak the oracles of God, he can't even see the, the, the angel. But the donkey, the donkey can speak on behalf of God. And the donkey's like, why are you beating me? What are you doing? And then Balaam, he, he, he responds. Like, that's crazy. If a donkey talked to me, I'd be like, oh my goodness, there's a donkey talking to me. This is insane. Incidentally, my wife who's over there, her favorite joke goes like this. There are two muffins sitting in an oven. One muffin turns to the other and says, oh, it's hot in here. The other muffin says, ah, a talking muffin. That's what I think we would happen. It's like, oh my goodness, it's a talking donkey. But Balaam just responds like he meets talking donkeys all the time. It's crazy. It's, perhaps it's like, you know, if you were shouting at your computer, which probably you do when you get angry and then your computer started talking back at you, you would just keep shouting because you were so angry you don't even notice that this is going on. Anyway, so Balaam has a go at the donkey and he says this. He says, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always been, always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he replies. And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you, because your path 
is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If he had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I have spared it. The the donkey has saved Balaam's life. The donkey is a a really good donkey. And the angel is there wanting to kill Balaam because Balaam has a reckless path before God because he is off to get his money to curse God's people and God will have none of it. And so then Balaam has this wonderful response. He, He bows down before the angel and then he says this. Have a look. It says, verse 34. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. If you are displeased, of course he's displeased. It's so obvious he's displeased. The angel is there to kill him. And he says, you are, have a reckless path before me. Of course he is displeased. It is obvious. Balaam is so dumb. He cannot see the angel. He cannot understand what his donkey has done for him. And he cannot understand why the angel is there before him. He just knows he's in trouble. He's like, oh, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. But then the, do- the angel sends him on. And the angel says to him, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. So the question is, as we read this story, this wonderful story, what is it that God has to say to us in this story? Uh, the end of the story actually goes, if you keep reading it, you'll see that uh, Balaam goes and he meets Balak, and Balak's a little bit upset with him because he took so long, and then Balaam goes to curse the people, but he cannot curse them at all. He can only bless them, and they five different times, I think it's five, he goes around, and he, he just goes around and blesses the people of Israel. So God gets his thing done. And what is it that God wants to say to us? And there's the obvious point there is that God can speak to us through anyone or anything, which is great if you are a preacher and sometimes you feel a little bit like a donkey, God can still speak through you. And if you are a preacher and you think that you are better than a donkey, then it's good for you to remember that actually you are no more special than a donkey in your ability to speak the word of God. So we can you know, learn that God can speak to us through anyone or anything and perhaps you should go home and listen to your cat or your dog or your goldfish to see if God has anything important to say to you. But I don't think that's the thing that we can be learning today. The thing is that in this story we see that Balaam has not seen God as he is. He's seen God as he wants to see him. And the donkey has seen God as he is. And the challenge for us is to be less like Balaam and more like the donkey. To be people who see God as he truly is, not as we want to see him. When we look at Balaam and what he does, the issue for Balaam is that he has twisted God's word. And he has twisted God's intention so that he might be able to do what he wants to do. He wants God to approve of his own sin. He wants God to say, yeah, you can do it. Off you go. Go do what you want. I'm fine with it. And how often do we do that? How often do we know what God has plainly said in his word, and yet we twist it so that God approves of our sin? Or so that we can find a way to say that what we're doing is fine. 
And chances are, when we think about things, we can think of lots of kind of examples in Christianity and in the lives of people around us. But people have twisted God's word so it doesn't say what it actually says. And so that it looks like God approves of his sin, of our sin. But we're not really, you know, meant to spend our time thinking about, you know, what God needs to do for other people. It's what does God need to do in us? What does God need to do in our hearts? And the issue for Balaam is that Balaam was greedy. He wanted more money. Uh, it tells us in uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, it tells us about what Balaam was like. Uh, and this is what Peter says about uh, some false teachers. He says, with eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, Bezor, Bezor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Balaam was willing to disobey God so that he could get more money. Balaam just wanted to be rich. Balaam was a greedy man. And, and I, when I look at myself, I know that that is definitely something that I struggle with. Definitely money is something where I'm like, I am happy to you know, twist God's word a little bit so that I can get a little bit richer. Uh, in this job that I'm doing now, it's a good job, but it's different from the one that I was doing before. The, the job that I was doing uh, for the last few years before this year was I was a youth pastor and I could pretty much get up when I wanted to and then I would go to work uh, later than you know, most people go to work. And I would sometimes work like a five-hour day and sometimes work like a 12-hour day. And, and my time was pretty flexible in my job. And so I quite enjoyed the flexibility. Uh, and then I started this job that I worked with for Crusaders. It's a really good job, but uh, it's an 8.30 to 5 o'clock job. Or for me, I normally work 7.30 to 4 o'clock. Uh, but it's like the, the time frame I find kind of constricting. And I have to go to an office many, many days of the week. And I, and I was lying in bed one day. I was like, I don't really like having to go to work eight and a half hours a day. I wonder if there's a way that I could do things differently. I wonder if there's a way that I could spend my time preaching for Jesus and, you know, writing blog posts and making videos and talking. I could go and serve Jesus, but I could do it on my own time. How, how could I make that happen? And I thought, I know what I could do. I could get $2 million. And if I had $2 million, I could invest it and then I'd get like you know, 5 to 10% return on it if I just invested it quite right. And then I get back $100,000 $100, a year, which I keep for myself to live off that, and the rest I'd invest. And then i just do that with the money until the money ran out or I ran out. Either way, that would be pretty good. All I'd need would be $2 million. That's fine. And as I was lying in bed, it made perfect sense to me that, of course, God would want to give me $2 million. Plenty of people have $2 million. He could spare $2 million for me. God just wants me to be comfortable in serving Jesus in the most comfortable way possible. Because that's what God is all about. And, and I spend my time, you know, thinking, how is it that I, that I can just have a better life? My car is insured for about 50% more than it's worth. So I keep hoping that someone's going to steal it. And then I look around at other cars and go, oh, I wouldn't mind driving that car. When the hailstorm came through, I was a bit disappointed that my car was in the carport. And I thought maybe it could have been written off. That's a bit disappointing, isn't it? 
I was in a movie uh, yesterday. I was watching John Wick chapter 2. And I was looking at the guy's house. I'm like, that's a nice house. I would like that house. And then I was like, Tom, you're coveting the house. I was like, but it is a nice house. And then the Italian mafia blew up the house and I didn't covet it anymore. We solved that soon. <laughs> but I spend so much of my life thinking about how I can get more money or how my life would be better if I was richer. And yet, we spend a whole lot of our, our lives doing this. We live in one of the richest societies in the world. Even our lowest earners uh, in our society earn more than most people in the world. And we think that it's fine. How can we not be seduced by greed? How can we not be like Balaam? And yet Jesus is so clear in the Bible that wealth is a danger. Jesus says to us that you cannot serve both God and money, and yet we spend as much time as possible trying to prove him wrong. Jesus said that you know, it is easier for uh, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then we had some rich man come along in, I don't know, the 13th century. He was like, well, actually, that's about, there was a gate in Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle. And there was a camel that the camel would have to like bow down low to get through. It could get through with just quite a squeeze. And we say that to twist God's word to say, yeah, it's fine for you to be rich and for you to serve God. Because God wants you to be rich and God wants you to serve him. God wants you to be wealthy and to serve him. How is it that we are not afraid of our wealth? It's terif- it should be terrifying because if it is something that keeps us from serving God and loving God, we should be getting rid of it as much as we can. But we try and hold on to it because within us is the spirit of Balaam that we are willing to twist God's word so that we can serve God and do it comfortably. And we might take jobs which are going to be bad for serving him or bad for the way that we love our families. But we say, oh, it's being prudent or it's being wise with our wealth. How is it that we can be people who twist God's word like this? We see God as we want to see him, not as he actually is. Who is someone who demands all of us. Who demands that maybe we will live the uncomfortable life because he is calling us to that. How do we live entirely for him, where we see him as he is? How do we be more like the donkey? Well, when we look at the donkey, we see that he is someone uh, who sees God as he is. And when we say he sees God, he actually sees God. And we, we might think, no, there was an angel there. But the angel of the Lord throughout scripture is often associated with God himself. If you notice, the angel said, um, he said, your, you, your way is a reckless one before me, to Balaam. And we don't answer to angels. Balaam doesn't answer to angels. He answers to God. So why would the angel say, your path is a reckless one before me? And God said to Balaam before, he said, do only what I tell you to do. And then the angel said to Balaam, say only what I tell you to say. And then later on, uh, in Numbers chapter 23, it says, the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth. So here is the Lord, as the angel of the Lord, who is the Lord himself, come to earth, standing in front of Balaam, ready to kill him. And it's only the angel who sees him. It's only the angel who is stopped in his tracks, afraid of what... Sorry, the the donkey. Thank you. Not the angel. So the donkey is afraid. The donkey sees the angel and sees the Lord standing there. The donkey stops. The donkey 
is afraid of who God really is? Do we ever think that God might be out to oppose us? Do we ever think that our path might be a reckless one before God? That he might want to stop us because of the way that we twist his words so that he might approve of our sin. And our sin may not be about wealth. It may be about wanting to serve God in comfort or God in power or God in the love of man. Who knows what it is? How will we see God clearly? Well, the Bible tells us that we can see God clearly when we look at Jesus. And in Jesus, we see the love of God and the mercy of God, but we also see God who is willing to judge the nations with a sword. Where are we going to stand with God? Will we see Him clearly? Will we submit our lives before Him so that He might find our sin and He might root it out with the sword, the Word of God, which divides, divides truth from lies? Bone from marrow. I don't know, I actually don't remember exactly what the verse is. But will we, will we let him speak into our lives? Will we see him clearly? The great thing is that um, we don't just meet Jesus as the one who comes to oppose us, but we meet Jesus as the one who comes to save us. Then in the story of Balaam, we see the donkey being like Jesus. And that probably sounds a little bit offensive to say Jesus is like the donkey or a donkey is like Jesus. But the donkey is the hero of the story. The donkey saves Balaam's life. The donkey saves Balaam from the judgment of God. And the donkey is willing to be beaten so that Balaam might live. And in Jesus we see someone who was willing to be beaten by men so that we might be saved. Who is willing to save us from God's judgment by taking the judgment upon Himself, So that we can see God clearly in Jesus as one who hates our sin, but is also willing to take our sin upon himself. We have a God who is so good to us that he might oppose our sin, but he doesn't oppose us. He loves us and he wants to save us, to lead us to a good path. So how can we be more like the donkey than like Balaam? How can we be people who are humble and willing to submit ourselves to who God truly is? Well, we look at his word and we look at God's son and we say, Lord, may I only say what you want me to say. May I only do what you tell me to do. And may I live a life that is righteous before you. Let's ask God to sh- for him to show us himself as he truly is that we might see our life as it truly is and we might adjust our path appropriately. Now, if you are not a Christian, then what this means for you is that chances are you have not submitted yourself to God and your path is a reckless one before Him. And He sees the way that you are living and one day you are going to have to stand before His judgment. But God wants to save you from his judgment. And he has done it in his son Jesus. If you trust in him, you will be saved. Put your trust in him. And if you are a Christian, then the challenge for you is, how can I see God clearly? Where am I perverting my view of God so that I can get him to approve of my sin? 
And will I ask him to show me that so that I may change the way I'm living and I might walk a good path before him, that I might say what he asks me to say and I might do what he asks me to do because I have seen him as he truly is. How about I pray for us? Lord God, I pray that we will be people who love you, who do not twist your words, people who do not try and get you to approve of our sin, but that we will be people who live a life that is obedient to you, that we will not be seduced by wealth, that we will not be people who live in greed and call it righteousness, but that we will be people who live the life that you call us to, that we will be willing to be uncomfortable for you so that we might be obedient to you. Lord God, I pray that uh, we will be people who see you clearly and who live for you because you are one who has lived for us in the Son, Jesus. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen.